Hi, I'm Dr. Denise Simpson, an ex-administrator and faculty in higher education, turned CEO of my leadership development and training company. I've been on the side of great success, which means I intimately know failure and sacrifice. I've set some of the highest goals for myself and have achieved most of them. But sadly, they came at a price. A price I wasn't willing to pay anymore. The more degrees, distinguished positions, and salaries I chased, the more shame, guilt, and loneliness I felt. So I left my career in higher education to start a new career as a business owner. Today, I have found true success and happiness helping others do the same. I want to help you reach your next level of success with confidence, pride, and true fulfillment. If you're ready to elevate your influence, impact, and income, then subscribe to this podcast because it was made for you. And I know you're ready to get started. So let's go. Hey there, welcome to another episode. Happy you are here, my friend. I have a good one for you this week. I have a very special interview episode with Tavana Denise Boggs. So Tavana Denise is someone that I came across in a coaching membership that I am a client of. She was conducting a webinar and it was fantastic. I took notes feverishly. I was so excited with all of the gems and the insights she was dropping on that webinar. And I remembered thinking, wow, she's incredible. Let me go look her up. So I did. I found her on Instagram, started to follow her, got excited about her work. And here's the interesting part. A month or so later, I get a chance to meet her in person. So she was in a training that I was assisting in here in Austin, Texas, and she's out of Atlanta, Georgia. I cannot believe how the universe just aligns us with the right people. It like organized itself so that Tavana, Denise, and I could meet. And let me tell you, when I did meet her, it was like a fangirl moment. I was absolutely beside myself because of how incredible that one hour webinar that I attended really transformed my mindset around my intuition and and how I use it in entrepreneurship. It was so amazing and so great to have resonated with someone who has been on the journey and who knows the obstacles and the mindset challenges that we entrepreneurs face. And so when I met her in person, I said, I have to have you on my podcast. Would, would you do us the honor? And she said, absolutely. So this is the episode where I introduce you to her, she gets to share also her background transitioning from the healthcare industry. She was a physical therapist and she transitioned out not once, but twice out of her career as a physical therapist. And now she has this amazing coaching practice where she teaches coaches how to attract clients on demand for their one-on-one and their group coaching programs. And she commits to them and promises them that they'll be fully booked within 90 days, which is absolutely incredible. So her techniques 
are rock solid. They are proven, tried and true. And not only the the strategies are amazing, but the mindset strategies that she helps her clients through so that these strategies are implementable. Because here's here's what's important to understand. You can have all the how-tos and all the strategies put in front of you, but if you don't have the belief system, you don't have the mindset to implement these strategies, then what's the point? And so she has a beautiful hybrid of both, combines both, and she has an amazing practice and program that she is offering. And I want for you to pay close attention to all of the mindset advice and guidance that she gives us throughout our time together. You know, we actually talk about burnout. She talked about the three things that uh, make up burnout that a lot of us aren't really paying attention to. Um, she also talks about, you know, type A versus type B. You know, she shares with us just some, some simple things that we can start asking ourselves and things that we can start doing to help us as we transition out of one career into another. So if you are someone who is working nine to five or who is in an organization and you're questioning what to do next, what else is there for me? You may be asking yourself, what else can I do with this, with the knowledge, the skills, and the abilities that I've earned through the last you know decade or so in this industry? Because that is something that you'll hear me talk about you know, I reached a point in my career where I knew there was something so much more beyond the walls of the institution, my academic institution that I was working for. I knew there was so much more to do and be and have. And I wanted to take and leverage all of my knowledge, skills, and abilities, our KSAs. Those of us in corporate know very well about KSAs. I wanted to leverage that and use that in a different career and apply that in a different career. And I got a chance to do that. But she is so amazing in sharing her personal experience. You'll get to hear about mine as well and some actionable tips that you can take, some really great mindset strategy tips that you can take and use right now. All right. So it's now time to turn this over to Tavana Denise. This episode is for you, created for you, my friend pay close attention to those nuggets, pay close attention to the gems that she's going to drop. This is really great information to use right here, right now. And when you are done with this episode, DM me over on IG. I want to hear from you. Share with me your insights. Share with me questions. I'm here to support you along this journey. It could be really challenging or it could be a whole lot smoother. And my hope is that your journey is smooth as you are transitioning out of corporate. I'm here to support you on that journey. So be sure to reach out. All right, my friend, enjoy this episode with Tavana Denise Boggs. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Welcome Tavana Denise. Good to see you, my friend. It's good to be seen. <laughs> it's good to be here. Isn't it good to be seen and heard and understood all of the things. Oh my God. That's all we want out of life. I think so. Right. I mean, I want to be seen, heard, understood by my lover, by my partner, by my children, my family. Like, that's all I want. 
Yeah, I think it's really interesting just the term of being seen. Like when somebody really sees you and they really get you and they just accept you exactly as you are. Yeah, you know, that's the thing is that we want to be seen, but we also don't want to be at the effect of whether they can see us or not. Right. (laughs) There's the balance. (laughs) And it's a long journey, my friend. Oh my goodness. I know it. I know it. I know this is something that, uh, you know, we business women, um, struggle with and, and that's why I'm happy that you are here Tavana Denise, because you are going to share your experience, your journey to where you are today, which is really exciting for me and our listeners, because, you know, we want to see women who resonate with us. We want to hear from women who are further ahead on the journey than we are. We want to learn from them. We want to, you know, jump into their brains for, for a few minutes on this episode so that we can learn from you, Tavana Denise. So I'm happy that you are here to share your experience with us. Thank you for asking me to come. I'm an open book. So whatever you want to know. Oh, open book. Oh my. Mine's shut. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Glad yours is wide open because we need to talk. Good. Good. So, you know, first thing I want to talk about is your journey, because I know you have extensive experience in the healthcare field as a physical therapist, Mm -hmm. and you were in this industry for a good bit before you decided to transition out of it. Can you share a little bit about your experience, maybe where your mindset was on the cusp of leaving physical therapy or leaving the healthcare field into entrepreneurship. Can you share what that was like for you at that time? Oh yeah. Cause I did it twice and it was different both times. So the first time was I'm a physical therapist by training. I thought I was going to do the management thing. I was actually on the management track. I was assistant clinic director running the whole show because I was with a group director and he was never really there because he had several clinics. So running the whole thing, he had to leave because his father got sick. And then I got passed up for the promotion. I was already doing the work and they gave it to somebody else. And um, I'm sure many people have had that experience before, but it didn't bother me until they said I couldn't use my paid time off to see my brother graduate with his master's from NYU. And that was the first time that I had an exodus because I was like, oh no, you can't tell me when and how I can use this paid time off this part of my contract that I have. And so I quit and I gave the, the customary 30 days notice. And that was the first time I left because within 30 days, I figured out how to start a contracting company, get my first contract and all of that. And I think it was really great for me because I was naive and I didn't think that I couldn't do it. Like I had no thoughts that I would not be able to get a contract. I didn't have all of those thoughts. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to set this up. I don't know where the money's going to come from. I just did it. And it was the best decision ever, except (laughs) after a while, my body started breaking down and I realized that I wasn't even 40 years old at the time. And I was just like, I'm physically not going to be able to do this anymore. And I had used my training as a life coach to get past the burnout stage that I was in. So I got past the burnout and I'm loving my job again, but then my body broke down and I'm like, oh no, what am I going to (sighs) do? 
So I decided to really get serious about building my coaching company and using it to replace my income rather than being a side hustle. And I have to tell you, that was the most challenging internal work I've ever done. Because at that point, I had been in physical therapy, I think, for 14, 15 years. And all of the fears were kicking up. I knew how to make money this way. I didn't know how to make money as a coach. And could I make enough? Would I be able to replace my income? What if, I mean, so many what ifs and not even the positive what ifs, not even the ones built on possibility. It was all like, what if it doesn't work? What if I fail? What if I don't have enough money? I'm single. I don't have a husband. I don't have any kids either, but it's always like, I don't have a backup. I don't have someone else's income to support me if this business doesn't make money. So I had all of those thoughts in my mind. And then we were talking before we hit record. And I told you like COVID helped me out a little bit (laughs) and it kicked me out of the nest because they were like, oh, all contractors and PRN at the hospital, we're not... We're not accepting anybody right now because we got to figure this thing out. So we were the first on the chopping block. And it was really and truly one of the best things that has happened to me because I really taught myself at that time that I could fly, that I could do this and made over two times what I made as a physical therapist in my coaching business in the middle of a pandemic. So so glad that happened. But I tell listen, I was freaking out when it first happened though. That is incredible. Your journey, not just once, but twice, you know, starting this on, you know, online business or, 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 you know, service-based business that you did. Mm-hmm. Something important that caught my attention was the first time you quit, right? Being passed over for that promotion. You were already doing the work. You were expecting that to, to work in your favor and you were passed over. And then of course the precipice was they didn't allow you to use your, your time off to go see your brother graduate. And so this is where probably a lot of my, my female clients, female leaders are, are in right now where they've worked so hard. They've given a lot of time and energy and effort and loyalty to their positions in these organizations. And they are working to either, you know, make lateral or even vertical moves. And time after time, they're being passed over for various reasons. And so they have now reached a point where they realize I can do something differently. I can, I can create something that uses all of my talents, uses all of my knowledge, all of my formal training and education, and, and all this wealth of, of information that I've gathered the last decade or so. And now I want to create something of my own. I want to go do something where I get to leverage all of this. And that's where you went the first time to, to start your physical therapy contracting business and was very successful there. And yeah. so, yeah. And so a lot of women are there right now thinking, what do I do with the rest of my life on this earth? And, and how can I bring purpose to it? And how can I use everything that I I've gained and earned to, to, to start a business 
helping others as well. And so I love that you said that because I think that that, that'll resonate with a lot of our friends on, on this episode today. Mm -hmm. You also mentioned something really important in regards to burnout. So there you were creating your business. And then you said several times your body broke down. And so what does burnout look like? Can you describe that for yourself and what you experienced at that time? Yeah, I did a lot of coaching around burnout. So the the official definition of it is burnout requires three things. Um, exhaustion, usually emotional exhaustion, cynicism, and decreased personal accomplishment. And so for me, it was, I was just tired every, you, you hear of the Sunday blues that was happening all the time. And it was getting earlier and earlier till it was almost the Saturday blues. And then uh, with the cynicism, sometimes I just was like, these patients are faking or they just don't want to get better. And then when it came to decreased personal accomplishment, like I was just brought up to do my best. So even with all of those thoughts, I would do my best, but I felt like I was just at, like I was slammed up against that glass ceiling. It wasn't even a glass ceiling. It was a, it was glass. And then there was cement poured over top of it because of the way the structure is for rehab professionals in a hospital. There's one manager, there's 60 people that are reporting to them. You can only have but so many managers. So there was really nowhere else for us to go into the hospital system, which is usually run by management and upper management is usually run by the RNs and the MDs. So that's that's what I was experiencing mentally. But then physically, I had a major back injury that put me out for six months. I couldn't walk, stand do anything for more than a few minutes at a time. And obviously by the name, being a physical therapist is very physical. It's physically demanding. And so it really caused me to think about what would my future be here? And even when, because I believed that I would heal. Once I recovered, I had more than 20 more years to work. So what if something were to happen again, and I didn't have my arms or my legs, what could I do to be able to still be helpful, still add value to the world, still make money, but not have it be connected to me lifting people or walking with people or physically having to be in any space? And so that's really one of the times where I was like, okay, I got to get this together and I've got to figure this out. And really um, looking at being serious about putting together all my skills and talents into my coaching business. That's incredible. And you mentioned the, the three signs of burnout, which for many of us women, burnout is so, you know, elusive. Like we don't even we, there's no, we don't know the definition. We don't, we know their symptoms, but what exactly is burnout? So I'm glad that you mentioned those three things, ex- exhaustion, cynicism, and decreased personal accomplishment. And I think that's what a lot of us are dealing with. And we just didn't have a, a word to sum all of that up, which is burnout. And so thank you for sharing that. And especially your, you know, your perspective on what do I do the next 20 plus years? If, you know, I, I can't keep doing this to my body and especially because of your physical back injury that you just, you, you had experienced. And so I think there's just so many moving parts and so many variables for each of us individually. And so for the woman who's listening right now, I mean, these are the things we need to ask ourselves. We need to ask better questions. What, what, what will our future look like? 
you know, what can we do to, like Tavana Denise just said, add value to this world, but still be compensated, you know, re, you know, being rewarded favorably. What can we do to leverage all of the, of the knowledge, skills, and abilities that we have? And so if you are, whoever's listening, feeling exhausted with this, with this climate that we're currently in, and that, that uh, we'll probably stay in for a, a little bit longer, as well as the cynicism. I know that's something that came up for me as I was um, seeking tenure professor positions where I was, you know, very ambitious, wanted to grow old in that organization, in that particular institution. And so I was seeking all of these position opportunity, opening uh, positions and opportunities for these positions. And, and, you know, one gentleman told me that for me, not even to worry about all this, because I'm going to get this tenure position because I'm Brown and I'm a woman. And, you know, you don't have to work that hard because you can play all these cards if you want is what he said. And so the cynicism came up for me many, many times until I reached the point where, okay, I'm exhausted. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a cynic at this point and the decreased personal accomplishment, you know, it was just harder and harder to attain. At least these were the thoughts I had in my mind and, and being at the effect of all these circumstances, you know, was, was pushing me out of the institution. So I can relate to that. And then asking these questions. What will the next 20 plus years look like for me as far as a career? And what could I do? And so thank you for sharing that, Tavana Denise. And so you also mentioned um, the what ifs, you know, when you started to work through your coaching uh, business and, and really now in this online business space where you were fully committed. So here you are, fast forward to when you committed to making this coaching business a success and then the what ifs started to come up. And so for the woman who's listening right now, who has already made the decision to transition out of corporate or her nine to five, and you're ready to explore all these opportunities, just like Tavana Denise and I both did, where we looked at all of those knowledge, all the knowledge, skills, and abilities to leverage into an online business, right? Here's Tavana Denise. She's forming this beautiful business. She's fully committed, but then the what ifs have come up. So if you're listening and you're here with us, then let's talk about the mindset and how to overcome those what ifs. And Tavana Denise said, it's, it, it wasn't even the what ifs of possibilities. They were the negative what ifs. <laughs> so can you share a little bit, Tavana Denise, on, on what you, what helped you overcome some of these interesting what if questions that your brain was presenting you with? Yeah, I think so many times I let it stop me in the beginning because it was like the brain was saying, oh, well, what if you don't get enough clients or what if you can't pay your bills or what if you don't like it was so many things. And I thought that that was danger. Stop. Don't do it. And what I have come to realize and what I work with my clients through is let the brain sometimes go negative because the brain is designed to keep us alive. It is seeking danger. It's saying, hey, these are some possibilities. Now, what do you do with that? When you let the brain go negative, it's like, okay, well, what if I don't get enough clients to pay my bills? Everything that you list you can find a solution for it. There is usually a practical solution. So if if I came up with the thought, oh, well, what if I don't have enough money to pay my bills? Then I could come up with a solution for it. It would be like, 
oh, I'll just use my savings. I'll use my 401k or my IRA. I will ask somebody, I will launch this thing. Like there are so many things that we can do if we just plan for it. And so sometimes people think that the brain offers it and that means don't do it. But I think that the brain is just forecasting for us to keep us alive, to keep us safe. And we can come up with a plan if in the unlikely event that that thing occurs, we already know what to do as opposed to, oh, you you decide, okay, you put in your notice and then you start your business and you don't quite have the clients and you're in the middle of the freak out when the the scaredy part of the brain, the amygdala, is in fight, flight or freeze mode. That's not the time to be trying to come up with a logistical plan. You want to know what what might happen and what can you do if that thing happens before you're in the middle of the freak out. So that's really what I did. Everything that I had a what if and it had a negative connotation to it. I was like, okay, if that happens, what can I do? Yeah, the practical, first of all, the practical solutions that we can present our brains with (laughs) when they come up with that negative what if, the planning for it is so important. Being prepared for the negative, for the brain to go negative. And I think that's where a lot of us get surprised because there's the employee mindset versus the entrepreneur mindset. And I did an episode on the differences between the two. And, you know, as an employee mindset, everything is set before us. Here are your job duties. Here are your responsibilities. You check in at this time. This is the leader you report to. Here are your clients. And this is what is expected of you in this role. And we're going to compensate you for this. So there's the employee mindset that you were programmed with. And a lot of us who have spent a great deal of time in these industries working for an employer, we have this very strong conditioning. And then we go and seek, you know, the autonomy of entrepreneurship. And, you know, we see someone else on their journey, 10 steps ahead of us. And we're excited to see what they're doing. And if they can do it, then we can do it. And, you know, the promise of it being just this, you know, beautiful transition is met with reality. And the reality is it's hard and it can be hard. But if we learn how to plan for the amygdala freaking out, the brain freaking out and letting the brain go negative, like you said, but also being practical with your solutions, finding those practical solutions, but planning for it. I think that's what's important. And I think from my personal experience, I had no idea what to expect. I just saw some dudes doing it. I'm like, oh, you're a consultant and you're making six figures and you don't have what I have. I can do what you're doing then. And then jumped in there, (laughs) really not understanding the difference between these mindsets and the mindset, number one, but the strategies behind it, right, Tafana Denise? Because that's what you're also helping your clients with is the actual strategies of running a successful online business or creating one. And so- yeah. Well, I mean, just coming from the background in healthcare and hospitals, we always had to run policies and procedures and things like that. And so then the question becomes, well, 
how did they come up with the fire drills? How did they come up with the policies? You had to anticipate if danger happened, what would we do? And you run the drill and you practice it so that it becomes section second nature. But so often I think we think that becoming an entrepreneur is supposed to be a walk in the park and it's supposed to feel good all the time and it's not supposed to be uncomfortable. And so anything that feels uncomfortable, we just back away. But I really think that's just smart to sometimes think about what might happen and create a contingency plan around it. Right on a contingency plan, <laughs> which is something that I, my contingency plan took five years <laughs> to, to, to finalize when I then decided to go into full-time entrepreneurship. So five years of the side gig as a consultant in so much of the what ifs came up, didn't have brain management, mind management, emotional management. It was just fight fight or freeze, which is what my brain was doing for five years in this loop, continuous loop and cycle until <laughs> I finally got some coaching myself to, to, uh, to, to make that transition. And so thank you for sharing that. So something I want to, I want to ask you about the compare and despair syndrome that a lot of us, um, entertain. You know, I, I mentioned it comparing ourselves to someone who's, you know, 10 steps ahead of us. And, you know, we're watching them on social. We're looking at their amazing business lives. They've created these beautiful coaching or training you know, businesses. And here we are trying to transition out of corporate into our side gig or make a full transition into entrepreneurship. What can we use what what guidance can you give us in regards to the compare and despair syndrome that a lot of us are entertaining right now ooh that's such a tough one denise because we all do it right and it and i think if y'all are anything like i was which i think we are all friends and family here that I'm, I was, I'm a recovering perfectionist. And when you are used to being at the top of your game in one industry or at something else, who wants to be a beginner again? And so sometimes when we go from where we're at the top and as an employee, and then we go to an entrepreneur and there's so many things that we don't know that we don't understand. It's not second nature to us. It's very uncomfortable. And so we look and we see what's possible because we see so-and-so's done it, but we're also not necessarily looking at, just like you were saying about you, Denise, you, it took you five years to fully make the transition. It took me five or six years as well to make the transition. And I didn't even do it willingly. So COVID kicked me out of the nest. And so we are so often looking at the, the final or the finished product of where other people are without even thinking about how long it's taken them to get there with you with the five years and with me for five or six years. And we just, I think it's just a lot easier if we just are willing to start where we are. And I think a lot of us, like I said, don't want to be beginners again. We want to have the finished product without paying attention to how long the person has been doing it. We have no idea how much support they have on the back on the back end of their business. Um, and so I always am curious is 
what is the comparison about? What is it for? What do we get out of comparing? So is, is the thought in the background, well, I'm already so far behind. It's already so much. I'll never catch up. Like, and whenever we think those thoughts, I'm all already so far behind and therefore um, I'm not going to be able to make it. How do we feel when we think those kinds of thoughts? Do we feel defeated, hopeless before we even get started? And if any of you all follow the Life Coach School and know about the model, how we feel dictate about any circumstance or situation in our life dictates how we feel, how we think about it dictates how we feel and how we feel dictates what we do and oftentimes what we don't do. So if you think about that example, if we're feeling defeated and hopeless, what do you do? Oftentimes it's nothing. Oftentimes it's look at and compare to other people rather than just put your head down and get to work at where you are. Because it's almost like we're saying um, we're running from one part of the country to the next. And maybe I'm, I'm based out of Atlanta, Georgia, and somebody started in, let's say, Texas. And we're like, oh, look, they're all, we're going to California. They're all the way over there in Texas. I'll never catch up. So I should just stay here in Georgia. Like, I'm never going to get to California if I don't start because I see somebody's already in Texas. Like, that's not helpful. Just <laughs> get started because the, the goal is to get to California. Who yeah. cares when you get there? Who cares who's already in front of you? It's like, can we run our own race? Ah, that's so good. Can we run our own race? And you're right. The perfectionism kicks in for a lot of of especially my clients who are highly ambitious, they have an evidence list of success, right? Not, you know, their brain may dispute it, but the world can't, right? The world right. sees all of these things and you say, yeah. your CV, it's pages and pages right? of all of the stuff that you've done in your career. Right. According to societal standards. And that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> and so, and how, you know, whatever reason motivated them to, you know, create all this success, right. That's yet another conversation that, right. that may have fueled them in a negative way, but here they are now with this evidence list. And they're thinking, you know, I've been, I've been in this industry for 10 plus years. In my case, it was about 15 years at that point. And I was really, really excited about the possibility of entrepreneurship, but I, all the what ifs came rushing in the idea of, well, she is, you know, 10 steps ahead of me. I want to do what she's doing. I don't think I can do this. And you're right. The, the emotion of defeat came up time after time. Also seeing others in the industry that I was, I was entering where they were extremely successful. They had all the all the contracts, they had all the clients, I would walk in behind them and offer, you know, a lower priced workshop or a lower priced training to try to come and undercut my competitor. But that's not what my, you know, executives or organizations were looking for. They wanted tremendous value. They wanted, ex, you know, quality work. And so here I was trying to undercut everybody with my prices, which then made me feel cheap. It made me feel like, you know, the low cost alternative. And so I had to do so much work around that. And you're right. It's not the circumstances that's, 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 uh, that's 
what's causing us to not do the work. It's the thoughts that we have around those circumstances. Oh so my goodness. Very- can we talk about money and pricing for a second? Can we? Yes. Always. Oh <laughs> because when you said that, it just made my, Oh, I'm like, women, please sisters stop doing that. <laughs> yes. Because people think just because something is free or low cost equals valuable. And the challenge with that line of thinking is I was just watching a comedian and he was talking about how he was put on the task of giving out the free samples. And I always use this example, but to hear this comedian talk about, it, I was like, thank you. Because he was like, what he learned by being the free sample guy was that people don't like free samples. They would walk past him to go purchase things. And so we think for whatever reason is if we make it cheaper or if we make it free or if we give everyone in our firstborn that they're going to pick us. And it doesn't, it just because it's cheap or you cut the price or you discount it, it doesn't help you escape the fact that you need to learn how to sell. You need to learn how to sell and you need to value your services. And so I just, I could go on a rant all day (laughs) about women value worthiness, money, and sales. And all four of those things are not the same and we have tangled them up and they shouldn't be. Yes. This is how we see the men go out, whether or not they're entrepreneurs. We see them look at a job description and have one, maybe two of the bullet points and they go apply for a job. And we see a woman who has all of the bullet points except one or two and they won't apply for the job. Right. Right. And that's, yes, that's exactly right. So how about we jump into now? Let's fast forward the woman, right? Because we were we we got her from where she is now, nine to five in her organization, to transition her out. So now she is starting her her coaching business, and so now she is she is ready to work with you, Tavana Denise. She wants the high you know high demand on demand clients. She's ready to jump into entrepreneurship and all the what ifs and all of the thoughts and beliefs about uh, you know earning you know, the value of her products versus her self-worth versus, you know, articulating her, her, her offer, all the things that come into selling your services. So here she is now, she opened up her LLC or whatever (laughs) business model, right? She is now ready to sell. And so tell us a little bit about how you help these coaches, you know, these fill up their one-on-one practices. Uh, They may not be ready for group practice yet, but they are so excited about the possibilities of doing that in the future, but they need some guidance here around the, for sure, the, the, the concept of money and, and tying that into her offer. So what, I guess, what would be your, your, your primary or fundamental principle that you would share with her you know, now that she's opened the doors to her business? Oh, that is a big question because it's not one thing, but I think the, the first, first thing that I always start with any person is what is the goal? 
And even beyond the how much do you want to make each year, how much do you want to work? Like, what is the lifestyle goal? So it's always what's the lifestyle goal and what is the income goal that will support that lifestyle that you detailed? I think so many of us jump right in and start chasing money and then we get on that treadmill and we can't get off. And so if we left the burning building of work and then we create an an even more challenging situation as an entrepreneur because you're responsible for it all. So then you can't get off of that treadmill. And if you were burned out in your work, you can create burnout in business. So we want to check that first. Like what is the lifestyle and what is the income that will support that lifestyle? Then we go about creating the irresistible offer. And the irresistible offer is just like people have to have it. They want to throw money at you because they want to get that problem solved. Then from from there, you have to be able to let people know, like you have to build the visibility and credibility around it. So even though you've created this amazing offer that would save so many lives and marriages and companies and whatever your thing is, if people don't know about it, you can't help them. You absolutely cannot help them. And so we have to put build visibility around that. And then beyond that would be also like, let's talk about the money. Let's talk about sales. Let's talk about value. Let's talk about worthiness. And also going back to time, because sometimes we think, especially as women and hardworking women, and me being from a place where we clocked in and out, we unfortunately have entangled time and money. And they are not the same. And I think that's one of the most challenging things for um, employees to make the switch in their mind of it's not, okay, let me calculate my prices based on how many hours I think this is going to take to deliver. No, 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 no. You want to look at the result or the outcome that whoever you're selling to is going to get. That is how you establish value-based pricing, not hour-based pricing. I'm like, y'all, you're trading your life force for money. And we don't do that as entrepreneurs. Wow. See, there's, there's the mindset part and then there's the strategy part that you help them with. So, so first of all, let's talk about the burnout as an entrepreneur. You know, you mentioned What's the goal of having this business? So here you are now, you've opened up the business, right? We're talking about that woman who's now here with us. She has opened up the business. The question to ask yourself right now is what is the goal for this business? What is your lifestyle goal? And of course your money goal. And so you mentioned the burnout part and that resonates with me because I have now reached burnout where I am now off the treadmill (laughs) and looking at the treadmill going, I'm not going to create the next... 20 years of my business on this treadmill. I did that for the last nine years, five as a part-time side hustler and four as a, as a full-time entrepreneur. And it was, you know, going after contract after contract and hitting up big contracts, which is how I created a high six figure business. And now I have, I have decided that it's the lifestyle that I'm pursuing the lifestyle of working several times a week where I still get to impact lives and help women in leadership, either find fulfillment in their current careers or find fulfillment 
as a, as a certified coach in my certification program. And so I am now searching for what works for me still using all of that leverage, all of that great, you know, life experience and formal training that I've, I've earned, but now I'm ready to really enjoy the success. So it's, it's very interesting because there's so many parallels between the entrepreneur life and the employee life, right? Where we're hustling. We want to, you know, go find all of these um, high paying positions. We just got our maybe college degree. We're, you know, working on a graduate degree. We're looking for, you know, status and significance. And there we are pursuing these, these amazing jobs. We get them. We're on the treadmill, on the treadmill, and we're on the treadmill for decades, maybe. And we're exhausted. And now it's time to reevaluate what the future is going to look like. The same thing is happening for me as an entrepreneur, <laughs> reevaluate evaluating the treadmill. And so I love that you mentioned that. What is the lifestyle goal? What are the, yes, revenue goals are important, but also what, what, what do you want to accomplish from this? So that was number one that you shared. Number two was creating that irresistible offer, right? So these people are throwing money at you. They need to have what you are offering. You have a solution for their, for their problem and they're willing to pay for it. And number three is now the visibility and the credibility. Now articulating this and sharing this with the world and telling them what it is that you can solve. And then the last thing you mentioned is talking about money and sales and value and worthiness and time. And so I love that you mentioned that, the again, the employee mindset of time and money, <laughs> you know, this is the 40 hour work week and this is what I get. And so a lot of us apply that into our, our entrepreneurial um, roles. And I think that's really important to clarify. Yeah. And I think it's, you mentioned status and st- significance. It's so important. What I find and where, because I work with a lot of type A entrepreneurs, we're so used to like, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And I'll do 110%. Like there's no such thing as 110%. It's a hundred percent. That's full, right? But we're going to try. And so when we take that mentality from an employee to an entrepreneur, that's where we see the burnout. So it's like when, and, and I'd like to compare to relationships. So sometimes people will say, well, I don't like this man over here. So I'm going to divorce him and go to this man over here, but you're the common denominator. So some of the same problems are going to come up if you haven't addressed them at the core. And so figure out first why you felt burned out. What were the things that were causing the burnout? And can we look at the mindset that was causing that so that you don't carry it over into your business and create yet another problem? Right. So good. So I, you know, I know a lot of my, my, my women listeners out here um, probably have dealt with perfectionism and the type A characteristics. Can you please just define what a type A person is and maybe some of those characteristics of one? Yeah, I think about type A is very um, goal oriented, very time oriented, like don't waste their time. They don't have a lot of patience. They are very goal oriented. Tell them what to do. They can do it. They're very logical um, step. They follow logical steps and they tend to be the overachiever and the perfectionist. They want it done. They want it done right. They want it done now and they want it done the first time. And and they're going to continue to give and give and give and work and work and work until the job is done. Whereas if you think of the type B 
or the next type it is more of the creative person. They're more, they're less into time and goals. There's more, they're more into the emotions and the feelings and the vibe around things. Um, you can, I've even noticed that you can kind of see it in the way they dress. So a type A person is going to be more straight lines. They like clothes for like, not form fitting, but lines and fit and straight. Whereas the other types, they're more flowing clothes and loose and that kind of thing. And so no, the other type, no attention to time, no attention to detail. They'll get to it when they get to it. If it feels good, they do it. If not, they don't. So I think those that's really how I compare the two. That is so interesting, Tabana Denise, because I'm laughing over here as you're describing the type A. Yeah, and here's here's what's really interesting is that I am now more of the creative, the deliberate creator type, where I am now tapping into my emotions instead of numbing them or suppressing them or avoiding them. I'm now in the flow of business. I'm now in the flow of creation. And I love how the transition from that type A, and don't get me wrong, there are definitely type A tendencies within me still. I think the perfectionism is now gone because I talk about doing B minus B plus work at, at most. I mean, I launch something and it's out into the world. I don't ask for permission, don't care who sees it. If you don't see it, it's okay, but I know it's a value. And so the type, you know, that type B then comes in where it's in the flow of things and who I attract is in my sphere of influence. They are ready to receive what I have to offer and I'm ready to receive the abundance. And so it's a beautiful transition from that type A to the type B. And although I still like, you know, structure in my attire, (laughs) (laughs) there are tendencies of of the type B for sure. Um, But I I love that you compared and contrasted that because I'm sure a lot of our our women listeners are, 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 you know, resonating with this. Right. It's not, neither one is good nor bad. It's just, this is just how they tend to present. And so I think it's really interesting where you're like, yeah, now you're sliding into more of the B. Sometimes we are presenting like a type A because of societal pressures or how our family and, you know, our parents said we need to be this way and do this. And it never quite fit. It never quite felt right. And so I think what I've noticed Somewhere around that 15 year mark in in being in your industry, in your profession, women start to question things and they're just like something about this just isn't right. I've known it for years. And what's that song? They're like, we're not going to take it. <laughs> we're not going to take it anymore. And this is where we yeah. hear people say, oh, I had a midlife crisis. No, they were just getting rid of all of the crap that wasn't theirs to begin with. Right. I mean, it, I like to use the analogy of the cork under underwater. I mean, there's all the societal pressures and expectations and the programming and the conditioning that we learned as little girls, as little boys. And then here we are as adults going, I can't breathe anymore. How long can I, I stay underwater here? And so we cut the anchor, we loosen that up, and then we start floating back up to the top of the surface. And that's that's where I want to live now. And so thank you for, for, for sharing all this amazing information with us. Will you please tell us, because I know that you have this beautiful program that you offer. You teach coaches how to fill their one-on-one practices and their group programs with stress-free and sold out launches. And so when, you know, a woman who's listening right now, who says, I'm, I'm here, doors are open and I need Tavana Denise to help me fill this practice. 
what, tell us a little bit about your offerings and then of course, how we can go find you and sign up for your programs. Yeah. Well, the sold out services program SOS is really for the woman who has at least a handful of clients. You have been out there. You have started with your messaging. You know who you serve. You have a great offer. You know, it helps people, but you are just having trouble filling it up faster. It's always like you're at the mercy of your referral sources. You're doing all the network and you're like, when are the people going to come? I'm doing all the things. Okay. But you can't predict when the next consult or when your next discovery call will happen. And so what I do is help people that are in that one on, they do one-on-one coaching or consulting, and they want to fill up their, their roster, their client roster faster. And so I teach them how to use a launch model, which is typically reserved for people who are filling group programs. Really a launch to me is just getting a group of people to take an action at a specified time. So if you want to fill up all of your people in one month, you can do that. But I think most people think, oh, they just come when they come or I'll just network to death or I'll just whatever. And so I teach people how to fill up their services within a shortened time frame, And that is the time frames within 90 days. So we create, launch and sell out the program, your services within 90 days. Then the other way that I work with people is if you are like the go-getter that we talked about and you're like, I just need a plan. Can you look at this thing? Something is not working in my funnel, in my business. And I'm not exactly sure at what point, like I'm doing webinars, they're, they're working a little bit, but not working well enough. And you want me to take a look at your business and see what, what might be going on. Then we do that in just an intensive and just knock it out so that you have the plan and you can run with it. Beautiful. And where can we find more information or, or set up a call with you? Yeah, I'm, I'm everywhere at Tavana Denise. And that's T-A-V as in Victor O-N-A, Denise, just like Denise Simpson, D-E-N-I-S-E. <laughs> Fantastic. TavanaDenise.com. Tavana Denise, I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for accepting this invitation. I know you're very busy, but it meant a lot to me that you took some time to, to talk to me and to the women who are listening to this episode. So I appreciate you so much gratitude. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. This was fun. Hey, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, you have to join me inside my exclusive coaching membership for women in leadership, just like you. I want to help you become a masterful leader with the help of a community of the most powerful women on this planet. My membership is called Masters of Leadership. Yes, of course it would be called that. (laughs) So whether you're a novice or a master, you have to join us. You're going to get the support that you need and deserve inside my membership. So head over to drdenisesimpson.com forward slash M-O-L. That website again is drdenisesimpson.com forward slash M-O-L. You deserve this, my friend. So join us inside. See you soon.